as we continue on this morning, I wanna, I wanna just, maybe let's just pretend for a little bit. Let's just, let's think that, that thousands of years ago, many, 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 many years ago, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he started creation and he got it moving, he wanted to record everything that happened so that one day we'd be in a place like this that we could look back and learn from it. That scripture was written in a way so that when we read it, that we would be revealed about our own selves, so we could see the history of what God did with his people and how he wants us to live life. Let's just pretend that for a second, because sometimes we don't always think that way, but let's think, when we read scripture, it's gonna be that way. And as God continued to prepare the world, he said, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to live this way. I want you to be holy and set apart. Let's love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And he has these commands that go through, and, and as Christians, we're supposed to follow that word, to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. You may have heard that before. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it's really hard to do those things. It's hard to be a person that really puts other people every time before myself, because sometimes I have some selfish tendencies. And there's some other things we wrestle with as we go through scripture that are really hard to comprehend. And there's a people group that actually looks a lot like us here in America. They're called the Israelites. And Chris touched on it a little bit um, last week. He was talking about Moses in the book of Exodus and God's taking his people out of Egypt. If you're here last week, he talked about Moses in the burning bush. A very incredible part where God shows up in this burning bush and the bush never burns away. If you guys ever burned wood, it eventually it's gone. But in this case, God's just there and he's on holy ground and Moses has to take off his sandals and he's just so blessed to be in the presence of God and God gives him this incredible mission to go rescue his people from Egypt. And at this time, right about this time, the Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt for about 400 years. 400 years, God's people have been enslaved at Egypt and what God does is just it's mind-blowing, guys. In the book of Exodus, God just comes and he, he gives all these plagues and he's saying, Pharaoh, let my people go. And he keeps going, and he keeps going and he, he turns light into darkness. He puts frogs everywhere and puts locusts everywhere. It just keeps going and going. And then Moses hits it. He hits it on the head and God moves through him and there's this pillar of fire that comes out and God starts leading his people out of Egypt. There's this pillar of fire that the Israelites are following and they get to this break in the road it's this, this river, it's this mass of water, this Red Sea, and Moses, by God's power, parts it. It's incredible, incredible. You may have seen like little pictures of it growing up or whatever, but it actually happened. God, God parted the Red Sea, they walked over on dry land, so God is rescuing his people through these massive miracles. When they get to the other side, they get hungry. And so what God does, he feeds them manna from heaven and they get thirsty, so Moses hits a rock with a stick and makes water come out of it, like these crazy miracles. And God just keeps doing thing after thing after thing. I'm providing for you, I'm rescuing you from, from Egypt and making it happen. And then God has this incredible conversation with Moses and his people. You see this in Exodus 19, verses four through nine. This is God speaking to Moses. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, if you obey my voice and keep my commandment, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for the earth is mine. 
I created it. I, this, is, this is all mine. And you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So then Moses, he came, he called the elders of the people. He said, hey, listen up, listen up. Hey, God's, God has just spoken to me. I wanna share this with you. And so he called everybody in and set before them all these words. The Lord commanded him and all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. So all these things, God is, is just laying it out for him and saying, this is how I want you to live. You're gonna be filled with peace. You're gonna be filled with hope. You're gonna be a great nation. And they say, all right, Lord, we're gonna do it. All you've spoken, we're gonna do it. So Moses reported the words to the people of the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and that they may also believe you forever. Crazy. So then, check this out. This is what happens. God actually does it. He comes up on this mountain in a thick cloud. He comes up on the mountain with lightning and thunder, loud trumpet blast. It says, when Moses speaks to the Lord, the Lord responds in thunder. Like that's his voice. Like the Lord is like, has this thunderous voice. And he keeps going. And Moses spends 40 days and 40 nights with the Lord on this mountaintop. And the Lord's like, all right, you said you're, you're in. So here we go. We're going. Here's the path I want you to leave. Here's the law. He gets the 10 commandments up there. And this is where the Israelites start becoming Egyptians again. This is where Aaron messes up. Chapter 32, my name is Aaron too, so yeah, I mess up a lot. Chapter 32 in Exodus, let's read this. So again, 40 days, 40 nights, Moses is with the Lord, it's powerful, his presence is there. People are like, oh my gosh, like God's coming in thunder, like I can hear him doing all these things. Just 40 days and 40 nights, chapter 32 in Exodus, here's what we read. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, again, it's only 40 days, 40 nights, when we saw he was delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. So Aaron, done messes up. Take off the rings of gold that are on your ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, bring them to me. So, okay, all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears, brought them to Aaron. He received the gold from their hand, fashioned it with a graving tool, and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods of Israel who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, we know who brought the people out of the land of Egypt, but right now they're thinking, this calf is what brought us out of the land of Egypt. Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. They got bored. They're like, man, this guy's taking too long. I'm not waiting this long for the law. Let's go ahead and just make our own gods because this is kind of how it works in this society. Because again, they're Egyptians. They're, yes, they're Israelites, but for 400 years, they're in Egypt. All right, so then the Lord says to Moses, because God knows everything, he's on the mountain, and he's like, look, I know what's going on. Go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
And the Lord says to Moses, I've seen this people and behold, it is a stiff necked people, aka uh, you're stubborn. (laughs) Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. God's angry. He's like, out of all these things I've done for you, like the miracles of bringing you out of Egypt, you are enslaved forever. And by this pillar of fire in the clouds you follow and I'll part the Red Sea, I feed you from heaven. I make water out of a rock and, and you can't wait 40 days for me to move in your life. Fast forward to today, I, I feel like there's times where I'm a stiff necked person, if you know what I mean. Maybe you guys have that same thing. Maybe we can be just a little bit stubborn in our ways. What God was trying to do this whole time is to teach them to not be of this world, to be set apart. Like, yeah, that's what the Egyptians do. They're corrupting themselves the way they live. I have such a better plan for you that will bring you hope and peace and it will just change so many people and you won't have to feel this pain that you feel before. I heard a scholar say it this way when talking about this whole story in in Exodus. He said, since the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, Egypt's culture was so ingrained in everything that they thought and did. So after God brought them out of Egypt, he then had to start to get the Egypt out of them. Because Egypt was just so a part of their mind or their psyche of, of everything they thought and did. So yes, he brought them out of Egypt, but that wasn't enough. Just bringing the people out wasn't enough. He then had to go in and and change their mentality and their way of thinking. And sometimes here in America, I feel like there's a lot of just this American in us. Some of it's not bad. I'm not gonna, you know, just bash America. I think it's a great nation. I love, we're very blessed to be here. So I'm not gonna talk all bad about it. But there are times in our living and our way of thinking, if you're a Christian in this room or maybe you're not a Christian yet, God calls us to a different lifestyle that is not of this world, but is set apart for the gospel, set apart for his goodness, set apart for his faithfulness. And something crazy when I was just looking back, thinking about just trying to comprehend like being 400 years in in a state. I mean, looking back, America as a nation, you know, when I started the United States was really 1776. And so, do the math, it's only roughly about 250 years. So we haven't even hit the culture that's been ingrained in the Israelites' time span. And you can already see how America's culture is just ingrained in everything that we do, everything we do. So this morning, as we continue, um, I can't help but think that God has given us the scripture to maybe try to get a little bit of America out of us. As we are talking about before, we're going to look at scripture, we're going to read these words and believe that God wrote this for a purpose for today. For you, for me, he wrote this for a purpose that we could learn from it, we can abide by it, be in the word, be renewed by our minds from the word and share this gospel and the truth with other people to have it radically change their lives. So that's why we look at scripture and that's why this morning we're gonna continue on and use this as our foundation for why we need to be set apart, what we do to be set apart as Christians. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to take it out at this time. We also have some free Bibles over there as you walked in. Feel free to grab one of those if you'd like.
but we're going to start in the book of First Peter. Um, I don't have like a specific uh, passage where we're staying. It's kind of like all over the place. So everything will be on the screen. So feel free to follow that way or follow along on your smartphone or things like that. So First Peter 1, 13 through 15. That's what Peter writes. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, the land of Egypt, where we used to be, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. That's out of Leviticus 11. By the way, that quote that Peter's quoting, you shall be holy for I am holy. Um, it's an incredible reason to be holy. And it's, it's our responsibility. Again, if we're Christians, we're reading this. God's saying, all right, I want you to be set apart for my purpose. And um, Chris, last week, if you're here again talking about the burning bush, he also talked about God's holiness. He's kind of just set it up what the word means, um, to be set apart, basically is the meaning of holy, so we're going to use those interchangeably this morning. But he referred to God as like the sun, this most unique thing in our atmosphere, and everything else is different. And as we get closer to the sun, we feel that presence. And there's a point where if we get too close, we can get really hurt. And it's not that the sun is bad, it's just the sun is so set apart. It's so different than us. Our bodies aren't made to handle that. But in the same way, the farther we get away from that, the less we feel. I don't know about you guys, but I can tell the difference between winter and summer, and it's just, you know, a couple thousand miles away from the sun. So it's a big deal, the proximity we are to the Lord. So... God really has some specific ways he wants us to be set apart. You know, as we read in the scripture, we're gonna read some more. There's to kind of broadly overlay what we're gonna be talking about this morning. He wants us to be set apart in our thinking, set apart in our time, the way we spend our time, use our, our time. And he wants us to be set apart in our actions. So set apart in our thinking, set apart in our time, and set apart in our actions. So set apart in our thinking. How do we become set apart in our thinking? I don't know about you guys, but I think a lot. I probably never stop thinking about something. My brain is just going and going and going. If there's a hamster inside my brain, it's multiplied to 10,000 hamsters on 10,000 wheels and it just keeps going and going. And it's not always productive. Actually, 90% of the time, it's just me thinking about stuff. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are with me, but I heard a statistic that on average, we have about 33,000 thoughts a day. Wow. One, that's crazy that our brains can even do that, but 33,000 thoughts a day. Now, I mean, that's, that's not like all like, you know, cognizant thoughts. There are things of like, you know, making decisions. Am, am I gonna turn right? Am I gonna turn left? Should I press the brakes now? Like that's all calculated in there. But on average, that's what we do. So it's really fun when we're driving in the car with me and Kara, because a lot of times I'll just get in this zone and then she'll look over at me and just be like, what you thinking about? I'd be like, you really wanna know? It's like, sure. <laughs> like, well, I'm thinking about writing my sermon and then I gotta think about what passage and then when Monday comes, we were moving uh, our office so I've gotta pick up the truck in the morning and then once we get throughout the day, hopefully maybe I can check and see if the tenants are gonna be out because if they're not out, then we're gonna have to do something else. And then 
after that, we, after we move the office, we gotta get that plugged up and forward the phones. And I'm, I'm just like going on and it's not even work yet, but my brain's just, I'm just going and going and going. And I'll be like, Kara, what are you thinking about? <clears throat> be like, nothing. Like, how can you do that? <laughs> my brain's always going. It's like the only thought that's going through my head is uh, you should probably press the brakes or we're gonna crash into this car. It's like such a zone. But I don't know about you guys, but changing our thinking is, is really tough. Like being set apart in our thinking. And I don't think God, when we read scripture, he's not saying, you know, every thought has to be about Jesus. You know, like it's not like turn right, I'm thinking of Jesus. Turn left, I'm thinking of Jesus. Press the brakes, I'm thinking of Jesus. It's, it's a mindset change. It's not just a thought process, it's a, it's a filter change. It's like changing your HVAC filters. You should do that once a month, definitely do that. I come from HVAC and people still don't change their filters. Do it when you get home, change your filters. Anyways, um, but it's like a filter change, you know? What, what goes through, that filter is gonna capture the things I don't want on the other side. And so what God's saying is I want you to be renewed by your minds so when those things come in, again, we live in America where there's darkness and pain and suffering and those things come in, I want you to be set apart in your thinking that, that you approach it differently. That you don't just look at the world as this dark place, but you look at the world that's full of hope, it's full of life. That even though there's pain, Jesus has come for us. That once, I thought that everyone might be out to get me, you know, but, but through God's word, I found that everyone has a battle and it's, it's my responsibility to help them see Jesus through it. I used to think that I was weak and unqualified to do the hard things in life, but through Jesus, I know that he is strong in my weakness and he makes me strong to accomplish what is needed. I used to think that failures defined me, but now the righteousness of God defines me. I used to think that this life was supposed to be pleasing to me, that it's all about me, but as a Christian, I am to seek the things that please the Lord. You see that change? It's not just, just the little thoughts. It's an it's a overall mindset that when we become Christians and we are renewed by our minds, our minds are supposed to be that of Christ Jesus and to think of things that please him. Paul writes this to the church in uh, Colossae and he says this in Colossians 3, one through four. If then you have been raised with Christ, hence you've been baptized into his name, you are a Christian. If then you've been raised in Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on this earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Not about you, but sometimes when I, when I read scripture, it's almost like we, we read like half of it that we really like and the other half that's tough, we kind of just cast it aside a little bit. Like I know it says like, you know, things are above, so I'm like, I'm thinking of Jesus, but not on this earth, you know, but I gotta have a job, you know, like I've, I've gotta make money. And if I'm gonna make money, then it must be something that I really like and enjoy. And if I'm gonna like and enjoy it, I wanna make decent money at it. If I don't make enough and I can't support my lifestyle, so I might as well go get a better job because then we can support the lifestyle. Oh, and then I can give more, uh, but I can't give enough. So then we gotta go out and get this more, more and then back and forth and back and forth. And God's like, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't get it. It's not a if, then. It's, it's both. Set your minds on things that are above 
And also, don't set your minds on things of this earth. Don't worry yourself with the nitty gritty and the weeds over here trying to provide for yourself. I'm going to provide for you. Looking back at the people of of Israel and Egypt and all the time they're trying to make these gods for themselves because they get bored because they're like, oh, it's just not happening enough. And God's like, can't you see I've been providing for you this whole time? It's like these miracles aren't enough for you. There's times where I feel that, that same way. I'm in that same place in that moment. It's almost like we, we think, how can I continue my lifestyle but still be obedient to this passage? How can I continue my way of living, not be changed, but still be obedient to God's word? And that's a real tough place to be because God doesn't ask us just to do what we want and just a little bit of him. As a Christian, to be set apart, we're to be obedient to the word. It's like if I told you guys I'm a weightlifter, which obviously you can see that I am not a weightlifter. But let's, see, let's just pretend. I'm, like, I'm telling everybody, guys, I'm lifting weights all the time, and here's my plan. On Sunday morning, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna sit for an hour, I'm gonna listen to this guy, and he's gonna tell me all about his workout plan. It's gonna be incredible. Like, man, he's just got this great workout plan. He's got this awesome book. It tells you exactly what to do to get fit. It's gonna change your life. You're gonna feel so healthy and everything. And afterwards, I'm gonna go home, and I'm just gonna remember, man, that was good. And then this week, I'm gonna read about it a little bit. I'm gonna read, oh man, I, I need to eat healthier. I need to probably hit the gym a little bit more, lift, lift some dumbbells and, and do some other stuff and other weights that I don't know the name of. And like, we're gonna keep doing some of these things. I'm just gonna read about it. I'm gonna look at it and be like, wow, what a great plan. Guys, I'm a weightlifter. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm a weightlifter. And there's this time where as Christians, we have that mindset where we think just coming and listening is okay. Like, I don't know about you guys, but that really bothers me. And I'm speaking to myself here. I'm not just speaking to you. That There's a lot of times where I come and I listen and I read the word. And I'm like, oh man, God, oh my goodness. How could, how could you do that by the miracles? You, you come down and you just feed people from heaven and I hear stories of how God's providing for people. And I'm like, man, that is so incredible, God. And I just forget to even practice it myself. And I call myself a Christian and I, I think that that's, what God wants from me. Philippians 4, 4 through 9, Paul writes again, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So, if we have the mindset that this is true, if we have the mindset that as Christians we are to do this, then let's, let's just follow it literally, okay? So, our mindset should be thinking of true and honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent things that are praiseworthy, right? Our mind should be focused on those things. What happens a lot of times is we get to the end and we're like, the God of peace will be with me. Man, God, be with me. Peace be with me. I need some peace right now, God. I really, oh, I'm just struggling. I need some peace right now. And God's like, did you forget the first three verses before we got to the God of peace will be with you? It says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. 
And a lot of times we put the cart before the horse and that's what the world does. We seek after these material possessions to hope it fulfills us. But as Christians, we are set apart to seek the Lord first. Then all those things will follow suit. All of those things afterwards will follow. You see that difference? That set apart difference from the way the world thinks to way as Christians we're supposed to think that our minds are supposed to be thinking of things that are above our mindset, that filter change. Our filter's no longer what pleases us, but we replace that with what pleases the Lord. So there's a lot of verses. I'd love to share more, but we don't have the time that talk about renewing our minds or allowing God to renew our minds. There's so many because God knows that this is the epicenter from where everything is born. Everything's born from our minds up here. Sin's born from up there. That's where joy is born. Hope, where compassion, where hate. All of that comes from our minds, then comes into actions. That's why it's important to start in that place because if we try to just change our actions but not our mindset, a lot of times we default to our mindset. Any New Year's resolutions still going? Almost fit March? Maybe, maybe not. It's because our mindset hasn't changed. We try to just change some habits and we haven't really taken the time to change our mindset. So next, we want to be set apart in our thinking. That's what God wants us to do. Also, we want to be set apart in our time. Second thing, it's a tough thing to talk about time, especially in uh, the state that we're in because everybody has their own opinion on what they should do with their time. I know God has opinion. We're gonna get to that in a little bit. But if you talk to anybody, you follow people online, maybe a news feed or Instagram or something, you talk to Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban's all about hustling, making more money. I'm gonna do side hustle on top of the side hustle. I'm gonna keep working, production, production, production. I'm gonna do emails and everything. And if you're not doing that, you're just not keeping up. And that's the way a lot of business goes. And I'm in the business world as well on my, my main vocation right now. And running a business, it's a lot of, you gotta get there first. If you don't, you miss out. If you don't undercut that bit enough, you don't win the job. And it's a cutthroat society. And if you guys are in business, you see that tension and that fight that if we don't work hard enough, it's like we don't get to eat. Like that's a tough place to be, especially for a small business. But it, if you ever feel that tension, you're like, okay, well, I gotta crank out my time. If you talk to John Maxwell, one guy I like to follow, John Maxwell will say the best thing to do with your time is personal growth, personal development. Be reading about leadership, reading about personal growth, better yourself as a person. You know, look at ways where you can start serving people. And a lot of those are good things. Again, I'm not harping on any of this. I think business is a great place to make our economy grow. I think business is incredible. God, I think, built systems that help businesses grow. There's nothing wrong with business. There's nothing wrong with personal growth. But there's times where we have to look in scripture and see what does God want us to do with our time. You talk to Bob Ross. Bob Ross is like, let's just paint some happy little trees. Paint some happy little trees. Those are good things too. Nothing wrong with painting. That's good. But I found this staggering, staggering statistic when I was doing research about how we spend our time. I know this is not you guys. It can't be you guys. But the average American, okay, we're all Americans here. Average American adult, people above 18 years or older, spends more than 11 hours per day watching, reading, listening, or simply interacting with media. 11 hours a day spent watching, reading, listening, simply interacting 
with media. It's almost half our day. It's not even count sleep, okay? If we get, you know, conservative seven, six hours, something like that, that's more than half our day spent around media. Now, again, some of these things are good. I'm not harping on all media. I love podcasts. I love Netflix. You know, there's nothing wrong with entertainment, but that is up nine hours, from nine hours and 32 minutes. It went up an hour and a half in four years on the average. It also went to say that 62% of that time is attributed to app and web browsing on smartphones. So of the 11 hours a day, 62% of that is browsing on phones. Television accounted for four hours and 46 minutes. So again, there's nothing wrong with Instagram or Netflix or video games or Hulu, Disney Plus, cable TV, satellite TV, Sling TV, YouTube, YouTube TV, podcasts. I mean, you know, like we're watching like National Geographic and like learning about the Lord and, oh, then there's Snapchat, TikTok, my Google feed, Facebook, Marco Polo, the Weather Channel. You know, there's all these places that are just media, 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 and we live in one of the gnarliest times in history. Anybody know about marketing? Did you know that, that marketing, they found ways to track what you search and they just hit you all the time? You ever, you ever notice like you like say something on your smartphone or like around and you're like, this just, ads just started popping up about things I just talked about. Or like something you searched on web pages that have nothing to do about it. They're just popping up with all these ads. There's this one time I, I was looking for uh, an event to hopefully celebrate a birthday with a friend about um, going to drive these supercars around a track in Charlotte. It's way too expensive, but I really wanted to drive a Lamborghini. It'd be so awesome. But it didn't work out. But I, I searched that website, okay? Just couldn't afford it, whatever. For the next two weeks, all the ads I got were about supercars. Everything was about go here, go here. It was the same ad for the same place. Come check it out. Discount rates, all this kind of stuff. Just draw me in and draw me in and draw me in. And it's crazy. You go, to, you go pump gas now and all of a sudden there's ads there. There's a lady that pops up. Here's the news for today and go on. And this war's breaking out and the coronavirus and like, oh my gosh, it's just all this stuff is just coming at you and it's just gnarly. And the thing is, is we didn't ask for this. Like I didn't ask to be bombarded with media, but it just, it just happens. It's the world we live in, it's the culture we live in, and I don't have the power to crush Google. I don't think anybody really has the power to crush Google. And so it's just, it's gonna, gonna keep going. And so what happens is, is since that's the culture we live in and just in this media life, we, we just kind of give in. Well, if you can't beat them, then join them, you know? People are talking about the show on Netflix, and I'm kind of left out of the conversation. I might as well just join it on the show so at least we can get some of the inside jokes coming on. And how else? How else am I supposed to spend my time when I get home? You know, I'm beat for the day. I might as well just sit down and relax and, and watch a show or just scroll and see what else is going on in people's life. Or how else can I really connect with people if I can't share with life with them online because after all, they're out of state. And what am I supposed to do when I'm waiting in the fast food line and these people are taking forever? Like, am I supposed to just wait here and like look at people? Like, no, I'm just gonna look at my phone. And the thing is, is, is we miss out on these opportunities what God has right in front of us. Right in front of us, he has his son or his daughter that needs compassion. 
right in front of us, there's a moment that we miss. If we're looking down, we don't have the, the place to look up and be like, wow, that, that person's having a really rough day right now. What if I just took a moment just to encourage her and just say, I know what you're doing is hard, but I really appreciate you getting me this number five meal, <laughs> you know? Just that little moment of, of removing ourselves from being sucked into media automatically sets us apart from the world. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. Um, Karen and I don't eat out a lot, but we have a thing where we just leave our phones the wayside. We don't bring our phones into a meal. We used to, um, and we found ourselves just, you know, pop it out and just kind of scroll, check a text message. Oh, mom says this, and you know, just little things. And if you have a moment to put your foot down, phone down, well, put your foot down too, that's probably good. But um, put your phone down. A lot of you guys probably have really great practices, keep this up. If you look around, you see that there's families with kids, all of them, just scrolling. The dinner table, no conversation, just disengaged. And I wonder, I'm not judging them. I'm not, they could have a wonderful marriage. They could have the greatest kid. But at the same time, I just, I have to wonder what it looks like when you're home and that kid disobeys or your wife wants your attention and, and all you are is just distracted and the stress that goes on in a time and in a place like that. So I think God is, is truly calling us to a life where we, we take a break from all this media, all this just social interaction. Now, social interaction is good. Again, I'm not downing social media. I think Facebook is great. I think Instagram's great. There's awesome things that are happening on those things, but it's the amount of time that is invested into all these things. And you look around and there's times where I see people on their phone, even in the middle of church. And I gotta be honest, it frustrates me because for an hour, you can't just put it down. Like literally that text message can't wait because we're reading from the book of the Lord and he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And for a second, you can't just take a break to be like, wow, maybe there is something in here for me that my life can be changed. Wow, across the dinner table, there is my wife. Oh my gosh, I'm so blessed to have her in my life. Even share some hard things. Like a lot of times we hide behind media and we hide behind these things, but what we should be doing is allowing those barriers to fall short so that we can hit those hard conversations. Because if I remember correctly, Paul and Jesus and God say some pretty hurtful things and I think we're all better for it. And I think Paul was better for it. Going out to the commonplace, just preaching the word of the Lord where people are exchanging goods and buying fruit and getting their daily bread. And Paul's like, man, let me, let me sharpen you a little bit. Let me share something new with you. Were they a bit annoyed? Maybe. But you know what? At the end of the day, I bet they were better for it. I really bet they were better for it. So I'm not gonna harp anymore on this whole time thing with media, but as Christians, again, we're using the lens of Christianity. If you don't wanna be a Christian, have all the media you want. Watch everything on Netflix, indulge yourself. Be a part of that life. But as Christians, we are to be set apart. And that filter is supposed to be changed to where we don't watch all the things that our friends are watching on Netflix. We, we're not a part of those podcasts that everybody's listening to. We're not a part of those conversations and we're not comparing ourselves to everyone online because most of the social media feeds are just everything good and nothing bad. And so you compare yourselves to that and you feel depressed. 
You're like, man, I wish I had the life that I could go on vacations. You don't look at the date that happened five months ago, but for the most part, you're like, gosh, just incredible, man. I wish I could do that. And this whole part where you're going back and forth and you miss out on the opportunity that God has right in front of you, that if we would set our minds on things above and spend our time with the Lord, he's saying, Aaron, man, I've got everything right in front of you. Why are you looking to that? That's not healthy for you. That's not good for you. I want you to be set apart. Don't think of things of this earth, not of this earth, but set your mind on me. Then that peace will come from you. Then those things will come. Jesus said this in Matthew, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added to you. He was talking about worry and anxiety and how to deal with it. He was talking about how to live life and how to have healthy marriages and what to do. And instead of just seeking those things, Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Then all of these things will be added to you. There's a lot of verses about time. I know we've been a lot in scripture, but I feel like it's better to have the Lord's words than, than my own words. So I'm just gonna say what, what the Lord has to say about time. Proverbs 27, one do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Psalm 90, 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Mark 13, 32. But about that day, speaking about Jesus coming back, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Ephesians 5, 15, Paul writes, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise as the world lives, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. James 4, 13 through 17, he just keeps going. Now listen who you say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, what you ought to say, being a Christian, being set apart, what we should say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Do you believe that? Like when you read verses like that, do you believe that? Do you believe that we really don't know when Jesus is coming back so we take advantage of every moment that we have? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins so we can live a life holy and pleasing to him to win more people to God so that in heaven one day they can all be joined with us in heaven? Do you believe that this life is not about us? It's not about what I get out of it, but what the Lord gets out of it because through that people find rescue through that people find a loving God that is so crazy about him. Do you believe that? Like when you read scripture, do you believe that God actually one point thought of you and was like, hey, I'm gonna write this for Aaron. 
I'm gonna write this for George. I'm gonna write this for Nathan so that one day they're gonna be sitting in this room. It's gonna be incredible. And they're gonna listen to the word of the Lord and they're gonna just be like, oh my gosh, God, thank you so much. Thank you so much, God, I wanna, I wanna number my days. God, help me be wise, help me be more like you, God. Please make me your vessel that I can send people out into the world and just do great things for you, God. Like, do you believe that as a Christian? Does that wrestle with you? Do you believe that if anyone knows the good they ought to do, but doesn't do it, sins? Because right here, we have clear representation of what God wants us to do. And it's not me who says it, but if you don't do it, we're falling short. We're missing the mark. Whether you're a Christian or you're not in this room, it's important for us to know these boundaries. It's important for us to know the truth to live by. It's important for us to have these guidelines to live and I honestly wrestle with, with the thought of Jesus could come back at any moment because I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I'm invincible some days. And I just keep going and um, plan for the future. And, you know, one day I want to make a profit on my house and put sweat equity into it. So we're going to remodel and do these things. And hopefully the market, you know, stays up and you do this prediction and you're like, man, I hope it's a good, good investment. And maybe one day we'll get rid of my awesome Honda Civic and, and make maybe a good family car for us. And, and then we're going to keep planning and then we're going to have kids and we, then, then I'm going to raise them and we're going to really struggle with that because I don't know anything about parenting. And, you know, you just keep planning and planning and planning. And do you, when you read this, Jesus himself, no one knows the day or hour, not even the angels, not even Jesus himself knows, but the Father knows. You don't know when that time will come, so be on guard, be alert. One question um, I really wrestled with uh, as I was preparing this, I was just... uh, listen to some commentaries on what it means to be sacred and be set apart. And one question that really, really rocked my world um, is also, let me back up a little bit, that being at a, at a place like this, um, where I come from, uh, I went to college for about a year and a half. I got kicked out because I didn't go to class. I don't have a credit to show for my time. I only paid off student loans. And uh, when I was 19, I moved to Wilmington. Uh, as a little kid, <laughs> God was like, hey, go plant a church with, with the Woolards and the Myers. I was like, sweet, move out house. <laughs> so I moved to Wilmington. And uh, man, I love it. It's a beautiful place. I love Venture Church. It's incredible. And I uh, just keep going. It's like year after year, I, ministry couldn't support it. I was trying to support raise. The church dropped out. I lost, I lost about $7,000 a year off my income, single income. That's a lot of money. So I was like, oh, okay. Got a good job. I've worked at Chick-fil-A before, so it's like, all right, Chick-fil-A will be good now. Let's do it. <laughs> Work at Chick-fil-A Monkey Junction. And then keep working and keep working. They're like, hey, we need a manager. Want to be manager? I'm like, sweet. <laughs> Let's do it. More money. <laughs> so we move into that role. And what's funny is, ironically, you know, in my head, I'm like, man, I'm going to open up my own Chick-fil-A one day. And uh, my boss came to me several times over and over again, was like, I need you to be on time, Aaron. I need you to be on time. You're showing up late. You got the keys. You're opening the doors. We're, we're behind. I need you to be on time. I'm like, all right, all right, I got it. I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning 
That's rough for me, guys. I don't, if you, get, you can do it, hats off to you. 4.30, man, six is early for me, but uh, I do it anyways. Um, but 4.30, getting up, everything. I show up late to work one day and uh, boss calls me in, manager. And um, he calls me in, he says, Aaron, uh, we're gonna have to let you go. Uh, uh, okay, um, wow, I didn't even know Chick-fil-A could do that. <laughs> Man, <laughs> like this is the holy place, guys. There's supposed to be grace. Oh, like we, we already got somebody to cover your shift. Just bring your shirts back at some point. And I'm sorry, this is just, it's been too much. And wow, oh man, the rock my world. I spiraled, I was distraught. I'd never been let go from a job before. I really, honestly, I thought I had good work ethic and everything. And in that moment, I was like, man, this is, uh, this is really tough. And it turns out in that moment, that discipline of that cutoff of just being like, nope, this is it, was the best thing that happened to me. Because finally I was like, okay, this is not okay. Again, the word, the word of the Lord sharpens us, it disciplines us, it hurts. The Hebrews 12 says that no discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful, but later it yields a harvest of righteousness for those who are trained by it. Guys, I don't, I'm not prideful at this at all, but I really, after that moment, I gotta be on time. It is now in me. I'm like, I cannot let these people down. People are depending on me. I gotta be on time. And so through moments like that where God sharpens us, I honestly think those times are better for us. And so moments like this, when we read scripture and things are hard, like do the things that you should do. And if you don't, it's sin. If that hurts you, I really hope it hurts you, uh, to be completely honest. Because if it does, then that means that you're really wrestling with that truth that this is reality. This is real. We don't know the time frame that we have left. So we need to take advantage of every moment that we have. As the band comes up on stage, I've got this one last verse. Oh, it's just so good. It's so good, guys. Being set apart, this is it. This is it. Couldn't get more clear than this. John. 13, 34 to 35, it says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, I've read this verse before growing up in church. I've heard things like, yeah, I know, you gotta love people, like, of course. Like, you know, love your neighbor, love your enemies, or, you know, you know respect the family. And it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. But being set apart, becoming a set apart people, listen to this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So I've got this crazy thought. I know it's crazy. It's a crazy thought. All right, you ready? You with me? What if we all loved one another with unconditional love? What if, just, just, just paint a picture with me. What if Venture Church loved everyone with unconditional love? What if when somebody had a need, we just gathered around them and said, well, how can I meet that need? You know, maybe I don't have enough money, but I know some people do. 
I know some people that can cook for you. I know some people that can help you with your HVAC. I'll help you with the HVAC, you know? I know some people that, that have trades, plumbers, appliance repair. What if we just loved on, uh, people unconditionally? And it's not just talking about needs. What if instead of looking down at our phones when we walk into places we look up and we open our eyes and we see the kingdom of God just right there and the people are having a rough day and again, we just said, hey, I'm really thankful for what you're doing. I know it's tough. I know you probably have a job right after this one. And maybe after that one, you have third shift to the gas station, but you know what? I'm really thankful for what you're doing because of what you're doing, I have gas and I have food. And so I'm just really thankful for that. How that rocks somebody's world. But yet most of the time we're so stuck in our, our lives, our agenda, our lifestyle, and we're Americans. God's like, get that out of you. Stop just thinking about yourself because there's such good fruit ahead that I want you to share with people. There's a peace, there's a hope that's in you that I want to share with people. And you know how it's gonna happen? You know how it's gonna happen? How the world's gonna be changed? By you loving people. But the part before that is where I, where I struggle, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. The tough part is we, we, we can't love like God. You know, at the, at the core of who we are, we're, we're a bit selfish. I know I am. <laughs> at the core of who we are, that's, that's not our natural tendency is to give these things I've worked hard for. It's not my natural tendency to go out of my way and spend my Saturday to help somebody. It's not my natural tendency to after this maybe go and, and share lunch with people and really, really get down to how's life going? How can I be praying for you? That's not my natural tendency. So the only way that we can shift our, our thinking, the only way we can shift our time, our actions is to connect with the Father. To love like Jesus, we need to be with Jesus. To love like God, we need to be with God. To allow the Spirit to move within us, to be with the Spirit. It says, abide in me as I abide in you. There's this, this vessel, this pathway that we need to be in connection with the Lord. Then these things will come. And as Christians, God calls us to be set apart. If you're Christian in this room, you claim Christianity, there's no excuse. There's no hall pass that says, yeah, but I'm out on that. I'm, but I'm still gonna claim, I, I still wanna get into heaven. But yeah, I, I, I can't make disciples, Jesus. You know, I just, I don't know how to teach. I don't know enough about the word. One of the coolest things in the book of Acts when the revolution starts happening for the church is that people are amazed that these knowledgeable people, they don't they study scriptures, are sharing these most profound things. And you know how they know all those things? It's by the Spirit of the Lord. The Bible talks about that when we are baptized in the Lord's name and we're raised again with a new creation, a new Christ, and we're renewed in our minds, we receive the gift of oh, the Holy Spirit. God says, maybe we're with you. It's better if I leave and to leave my spirit with you. And so you know what? I'm gonna put my spirit inside of you. And it's gonna help you do incredible things. And it's not gonna be by your power that you're gonna do these things, but it'll be my power. I'm gonna live through you as this vessel and you're gonna change nations. You're gonna change people. Generations after you're gonna be thanking you for that time that you spent with them. 
People are gonna be thanking you for that moment where you just encouraged them and said, hey, that's not really good for you, man. And you know what? None of that power comes from you. That's one of the biggest blessings because then we get to rely on the power of the Lord, which I don't know about you, but it's pretty incredible. <laughs> like he's the creator of the universe, the alpha and the omega. And he's like, hey, I'm gonna be with you. I'm right by you. So this call that I'm giving you is not just for you to accomplish by yourself. I'm gonna be right there with you, alongside you to make this happen. I'm so thankful for this morning and this series to be set apart. Again, book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. As an analogy, I spoke before being a weightlifter and just going and listening, reading a little bit about it. I'm not a weightlifter. Nobody's gonna look at me and be like, man, I want your plan. Tell me how to be fit. <laughs> you know, like, that's not me. So the way that this world's gonna be changed, the way that Venture Church changes, the way that your heart changes is by allowing the love of God to change you from the inside out. It's not from the outside in, it's not everything we do. The Lord says, no, I'm gonna give you my spirit, my Holy Spirit, and he's set apart. He's gonna be set apart for you. He's gonna tell you what to do. He's gonna nudge you in the right way. He's gonna guide you. Just trust, just trust. Just come here, just trust that I am who I am. Trust that I delivered the Israelites out of Egypt by all these miracles. Trust that I'm right there with you. Trust that I'm with you always to the end of the age. And guys, right now in this moment, we have an opportunity to meet the creator of the heavens and the earth. We have the opportunity every morning. This place is no, nothing different. It's just a gym, We've got some lights, some audio, but right now we have an opportunity that's set apart for Jesus. It's literally what communion is about, is remembering what he did on the cross for our salvation. We take time to recognize that Jesus literally came and lived the perfect life we should have lived and he died that death that we should have died so that we could be raised a new life and be with him in heaven. And there's people out there in this world that have no clue who Jesus is. Maybe they do have a clue, but they don't care. Maybe they're like, yeah, I'm on the fence, but I really, really gotta just focus on these bills. I really, man, I just don't have enough time for that right now. And it is our responsibility to be with Jesus so that when we come and encounter these people, we can share a hope and rejoice in the salvation of Jesus. So as we continue on, I just encourage you guys for two things, two thoughts, all right? Be with me, we're wrapping up here. Two thoughts. First is, go grab communion, the cup, the bread, rep representing God's blood that was shed, Jesus' blood. And we ask this question, God, is my life pleasing to you? what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, does, does that please you? Like, 
where I spend my time, the thoughts I think about, God, does that bring you joy? God, does my family please you? Does where my marriage is heading, does that please you? Where my future is heading, does that please you? Because I feel a lot of times we kind of just assume. We're like, yeah, follow a little bit. I'm going to church. I'm doing these things. So, I mean, yeah, God's obviously got to love it. Have we ever taken the time just to be like, God, do you really, do you really like it? I know you love me. Like, I have no question about that. I know you love me, God. You're unconditional, but but is my life really pleasing to you? Wrestle with that. Question one, two, if you need to, I encourage you to do this. Venture Church is a body. The body needs every part. We've got some people in this church that love you to death and they're called our elders. And they really want what's best for you. And they want you to have hope and joy and peace in the Lord. So they're gonna be at the back of the room. And if you just need somebody just to talk to, say, man, I just need you to love on me for a little bit. I'm really just struggling. I really just need somebody just to be in my side in the ring and just rooting for me. Can you just just pray with me? This time's gonna be available for that too. Ask the question, God, is my life pleasing to you? If you need it, spend some time in prayer either by yourselves with your families here. Grab one of our elders to do that. Let's go take communion at this time.